Welcome to the Solo Women RV Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and advice from solo women RVers, van lifers, and campers who are making their travel dreams come true. Whether you're just getting started in solo travel or are a seasoned expert, this show is for you. Join us. Just because you're solo doesn't mean you're alone. Here's your host, Kathy Belch. Hey everybody, this is episode number 61. Just want to give a little reminder update that from now through the end of 2022, we're going to be releasing these episodes every other week instead of every week. I did have a couple people reach out last week to make sure everything was fine. Everything is fine. Just um, wanting to take a little time to focus on some other projects. And so we'll be releasing these every other week from now through the end of 2022. So now on to today's guest. My guest this week is Hannah Morris. Hannah and I met over the summer. She is a nomad who put all of her things in storage and hit the road in her Honda Element after her kids moved out of the house. When she started out, she wasn't sure how long she wanted to travel, but now that she's out here, she just wants to keep going. I really enjoyed talking to Hannah. She has a great perspective, and I think you will enjoy her conversation too. Well, hello, Hannah. Today, nice to see you. So today my guest is Hannah Maris, and Hannah is a solo woman travel who travels around in her Honda element. And so I really wanted to get you on today to talk a bit about you know, how you got started in solo travel, what it's like to travel in an element, and um, some of the cool things and experiences that you have had. So Hannah, thanks so much for being a guest on the Solo Women RV podcast. Thanks, Kathy. I'm so psyched to be here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to see your face. Um, So let's just start off a little bit and talk about how you got started in travel, where you're from, any, any little bit of background that you want to share about yourself? Okay. Um, I have two kids. And when my youngest was about to leave home, I had already been thinking prior to that, gee, I want to travel once I no longer need to maintain a household for the kids. I'm a, I've been a single parent for a long time. And my original plan was I want to buy a one-way ticket to New Zealand, but I'm not vaccinated. So that was taken off the table for right now, not forever. Mm-hmm. I'm still going. Okay. Um, so my daughter, my youngest, um, decided to move to Denver. We were from North Florida, coast, uh, St. Augustine. And she decided to move to Denver. So I helped her move to Denver late February of this year and decided to hit the road from there. So I did. Um, I had had a Subaru Outback that died, I don't know, four months prior to that. And so I was looking for a travel vehicle. And at first I started to look at Tacomas. I was going to get a pop-up camper so that I would still have, you know, backcountry ability. I didn't want to diminish that. And it was in the height of the chip shortage. The prices were stupid. And I remember the salesman, the new, newer Tacomas, their seats don't, raise high enough. I'm only five, three. And he goes, well, you can sit on a pillow. And I said, no, for 40, 45 grand, I'm not sitting (laughs) on a pillow. At which point I said, I'm not playing this game. So I had known a friend years ago who traveled full-time in an element and he was a super minimalist. And I thought, gee, I wonder if I can make that work. 
And I was having trouble even finding used vehicles because everything was so competitive. And the way this happened, I won't go into it. It's too long of a story, but it was pure magic how I found mm. this car. I named her Grace. I got her from a beautiful young woman who was eight months pregnant. She'd been a nomad out west. She had a bed set up in the back, a platform bed. So we just totally hit it off, <laughs> agreed on a very fair price and um, had a magical ex you know, experience. We were actually both crying at one point and hugging. It was so beautiful. And then when the baby was born, she sent me the picture of little Rose. So I've been very happy. And you know, even last night, I have a little Christmas lights up, whatever you call them, you know, little colored lights, blue lights. And I'm laying in bed and I'm all cozy and it started to rain. And it's been getting cold here in Moab, um, down to the low 30s. But I'm fine. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to miss this car because I'm actually thinking about getting a larger space. Um, um, and I thought, wait a minute, maybe I don't need a larger space. <laughs> it really has been totally sufficient. The bed's super comfortable. Um, the only thing I want to do, I'm going to turn around my passenger seat. So that I have more of an inter interior lounging space mm. and get a little tiny little Mr. Buddy. I've been looking up the whole heating situation. I know a lot of people think propane's a terrible idea. I would never use it all night, but maybe for a half hour or so to warm up the space since it's so small. And, um, you know, I just, I relax in here. It's great. But the one thing I would like is more of a kind of a living room feel, which you don't get when both seats are facing forward. I feel like I'm in a car and I don't like that. So I'm going to try to muck about with it first and see if she can work. And if not, then I will get a little larger space because I bought her. The other thought I had was, I don't want a pickup truck if I'm not going to be a full-time nomad. And I want to try this first. I may hate it after a month, but I have absolutely fallen in love with this lifestyle. I don't have a home base. I put everything in storage. I, my entire life is down to a five by 10 and the inside of this Honda element. And at first that scared the heck out of me. I thought, are you crazy? What if you get sick? What if something happens? You have nowhere to go. Um, but as time's gone on, I've gotten more comfortable with it. So I think I'm going to keep rolling here for a while. Yeah. So tell us a little bit how you have it set up for full-time living then. A Honda Element isn't that big of a vehicle. But the thing is, it's square. So you take out the back seats and store them. Super easy to do. They ma they're they made to come out. Um, so now you have a rectangular space. And again, I'm only 5'3". So for a taller person, it may be challenging. But I have a, um, bed, a little platform bed like you'd see in a van that covers half of the space back there. And then I have, so I have storage under that, all my camping gear. I use it for my refrigeration. At first, I bought a little refrigerator. But I was concerned about having it run off the car battery. And I, they say it's fine, but you know what? I'm by myself and I travel in a lot of backcountry places. I didn't want to be in the middle of nowhere and have the car battery challenged. So I took it back. I said, the heck with it. And I've been fine tra traveling through a lot of heat and fires this summer. So I use underneath the bed as my kind of cold storage. Just have a couple of um, coolers. Mm -hmm. and keep them down there and keep a sleeping bag over it so that's fine it's it works and I bought a little um what do you call it drawer set up for my clothes so they're in drawers they're not like in bags which is nice or a suitcase or anything like that I have a couple of boxes for my kitchen gear 
Um, I'm a backpacker. So, you know, I have a backpacking stove, small setup for those things. But the other great thing about the Honda Element is it has a clamshell hatch so that the back goes down so you can sit on the back and the top goes up. So you have some shade from sun. And then the doors are my favorite. They call them suicide doors. They're on both sides and they open so that the, the back door opens opposite of how a normal car does. So you have all this space mm-hmm. um, to access things. It's really simple to live out of. You're not trying to reach over and grab things. Awesome. So yeah. you just, you just, so what do you do then like on a rainy day when you got to make a meal? Um, I don't cook. <laughs> That's why God made hummus, fresh veggies, <laughs> bread. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't cook. Um, I've made coffee pretty fast because I have to have my coffee in the morning. And yeah, if it's raining, I face the vehicle so that it's out of the wind to the best of my ability. And um, that, that clamshell hatchback there really provides some cover. And, you know, people have suggested you can buy those tents that fit on the back. Eh, looks like too much trouble to me. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to bother. And I got a um, piece of screen and some magnets so that in the nicer weather, it's so great because my head is facing the back. I open up the hatch and put the screen over it and magnet it on for when there's some bugs. And it's just so nice because there's also a skylight over my head. So I have a skylight. The hatch behind me with the screen is providing fresh air. And also this may be silly, magical thinking, but if somebody's an animal or a person is going to try to attack me in my sleep, I have that 18th of a second moment of hearing them try to get through the screen. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I feel like it would wake me up. I'm a very light sleeper. Okay. So I feel safe that way. Yeah. So what about, you know, I, I know like in my van, I can at least stand up. How do yeah. you handle, like, I'm thinking of, uh, kind of crappy days, crappy weather days. Exactly. And that's the reason I'm thinking of a larger space. Cause you know, this has been since late February, I am going to keep going here. So I think it is time to think about a larger space and I'll be honest. That's the main thing is the standing up issue and kind of having interior space just to hang out. Like you said, when it's crummier weather, um, cold, because right now in Moab, it's like tonight, it's going to get down to 29 30. I'll be fine. But how cool to be able to go in at supper time, close the door, heat the space, make dinner, hang out. I, I don't have that capacity. So I'll go out for dinner and get myself a salad or a sandwich and hang out. Okay. <laughs> and then get in my car. So yes, it's less convenient. So for longer term, I can see why people want to stand up. Although it's really funny. I was just at this nomad gathering in New Mexico and I was running the gate for the afternoon and this one there's a line this one young woman was driving in in a van and I said oh how do you like that van because I'm looking at vans she said you know I don't need to stand up this was a mistake wow (laughs) really she goes man how often do I stand up I feel like I spent too money too much money on this thing so I thought wow that's interesting Okay. And we're about the same size, but no, I think I would like to be able to stand up. Yeah. I like standing up, but Mm. you know, I'm used to it. So, Mm -hmm. Uh, so you just mentioned the gathering, which is the moon landing gathering that you went to. And that was in New Mm -hmm. Mexico, right? Yes. It was near El Moro. 
National Monument. Yeah. Why and, don't oh you my God. Tell us so all fun. about it. I want to hear all about it. <laughs> it was the first gathering of that type I'd ever been to. Um, and I heard about it from a friend. And so what was very cool for me, having this be a first thing and also, you know, being on my own, I got to camp out with a bunch of friends. I've known some of these people, I'd met them. And it was just a really low key. Unfortunately, they'd been having a heck of a lot of rain in New Mexico. So I think a lot of people didn't come for that reason. They, were, they had capped it at 350. I think there were only 150 of us. Oh, wow. But I know. But as a result, it felt really intimate. I met some awesome people. Everybody was so kind and friendly. There were rigs of all kinds from a Prius to um, really crappy looking vans. Like, I can't believe that thing made it here to total top of the line storytellers, you know, different rigs that cost two to three hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Um, and I wasn't feeling judgment. I was worried, honestly, because I am in an element and I'm 63. So I know these gatherings tend to draw a younger crowd. And there were a lot of younger people there. There were some people in their 60s and 70s, um, 50s, 60s and 70s. But I didn't feel the slightest bit of ageist crap. Um, People were just cool. What what, got, what happened there? What what were some of the things that you well, did they, and saw? They had they did a good job because they had um, they had vendors and people showing stuff, which was fun to check out. They had music every night and actually endured, uh, you know, the rave scene until three a.m. Hmm. <laughs> a little challenging to sleep, but I made it. <laughs> uh, you know, they had a big, big bonfire. They had some stand-up comics in the evening. Uh -huh. um, that was fun. They had, um, oh, like a silly, you know, van, hashtag van life uh, Olympics where people had to do stupid things in teams. So they did um, event type stuff. You know, they had some yoga and that sort of thing. So the people would get out of their little gang they were camping with and get to meet each other. Oh, that's great. I love yeah. that. So did you walk away from there with new connections and new friends? Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. And was it mostly full-time nomads there or was it a mixture? It was a mix. It was definitely a mix. Um, one woman I met, she was so cool. She's a, she's been a full-timer. And we're definitely going to connect down the road. She's in Arizona right now. A lot of them really seem to jet to Arizona right away. And I thought, man, it's way too early <laughs> to yeah. go to Southern Arizona for me. But, um, and I met your friend, you told me about her. That was so cool to meet up with her. And she's a fellow on hella, bleh, Honda Element dweller. Right. Yes. So yeah, it was just really cool. And I will surely go to more gatherings. It was inspiring. That's great. Yeah. I, I went to my first gathering, which was descend on bend this year. And again, I met some people that I've continued to stay in touch with and, mm -hmm. and hope to meet up with again from that, from that gathering. So yeah, I definitely recommend if you're listening to this and you haven't been to mm -hmm. a gathering, find one that appeals to you and, and check it out because they're definitely a great place to make community and get ideas and get inspired from others living this lifestyle. Absolutely. And even if the gathering seems a little wonky, so what? Show up anyway. Like 
I've, I've not been to the whole quartzite scene in Southern Arizona, but I'm going and I've heard from other people, oh, well, you know, it's just flat desert and it's really big and blah, blah, blah. I don't care. I'm going to go find people. Yeah. Um, especially because the women's rubber tramp rendezvous starts first in, on this year, January 7th. And so, you know, it's just women for several days, which will be very cool. And then more people come. So, yeah, like you said, it's about finding community, which I think is the one thing that's challenging about being out on the road, especially by myself. Yeah. I'm really wanting to have community and solitude and adventure. And that is possible. And I refuse to believe that it's not because people have said to me, oh, you're so isolated in a way. Yes. But as I've gotten to know more um, nomadic people, no, I'm not. Yeah. So, Hannah, how how have you been meeting people aside from this this gathering? Well, Facebook groups have been invaluable. There's a ton of I've been on particularly women's nomadic Facebook groups and have made really good friends from these things. Like one of them, uh, she's 70 and she's been on the road for seven years with no home base. And I met her back in May. She was going one direction. I was going another. And we met in the middle for a night and we have really maintained a really good friendship. Um, And other, other people as well, who then will say, you know, like one of them, Kelly, I met on the Oregon coast, we'd met through this group. And she said, Oh, you got to check out these hooligans, if you don't mind. You know, they smoke weed, they're awesome people. And sure enough, they're amazing. I fell in love with them. So A leads to B leads to C. So, you know, the, the internet has been a, I think an invaluable way to connect. Yeah. That's how you and I connected. You were heading, Mm -hmm. I started following your Facebook posts and I'm just going to give a shout out to how you connect on Facebook because you post a lot of where you're going and what you're seeing and what you're doing. And after, you know, I think you showed up for me over and over again in one of these groups. And I just said, Hey, I'm going to reach out to this person. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of resonated with your point of view and the things you were posting about. And so, you know, I think that was such a great, I don't know if that was your point of trying to Mm -mm. connect with people at all, but um, (laughs) definitely a good strategy that worked that if, you know, Mm -hmm. if you want to connect with people, don't just kind of lurk around those groups, but to, to be active and post what you're doing and comment on what other people are posting. And that's the real way to, to meet people and make community. I think. Absolutely agree. Yes. No, that I didn't have that conscious intention, but yes, you're right. I agree. Yeah. Well, cool. So, um, I, I also know that you're a big hiker and I'm mm-hmm. inspired by your hiking and I'm jealous of your hiking now, especially as I sit here with my broken foot. I know. Um, and you talk about that. You have a background, you've been a backpacker. I'm just curious, you know, how you find the places that you hike and how you stay safe as a solo hiker out there. Well, yeah, I hear you. And you know, some, I was on a trail not long ago and I'm, um, hiking I was a ways in and all of a sudden I thought geez this is mountain lion terrain and I'm starting to feel a little creepy so I decided to turn around I use all trails to find trails plus because they have reviewers so that's helpful um and 
and word of mouth, talk to people as I run into them. And I've found some amazing places that way. Gosh, I was mm. up in the Tetons and I'm going up to this one destination and I ran into this couple who said, no, don't go there. This other place is mind blowing. <laughs> oh. So I went, yeah. And I had an amazing afternoon all by myself at this crazy, gorgeous Alpine Lake. And I came back down and I hadn't noticed the sign that was down there. And it was a sign. There was a young man that had died on the trail I was on. Oh. So it had been several months prior, but the sign was still there. And they're saying, if you see any evidence of him, please let us know. I thought, oh boy, but I'm glad I hadn't seen that. So stuff happens. Do you know what I mean? I mean, stuff could happen. I have a dear friend, uh, was hiking somewhere in Colorado. That's known to be dicey. It's recommended to be roped in, but you don't have to be she's a strong hiker. I've hiked with her a lot. She fell to her death about a year ago and her friend was right there with her and watched it happen. It was horrible. Oh. Oh. So things can happen in with more than one person, as you know, but I just, you know, I, I have bear spray, no good backcountry practice and I follow it, but I don't ascribe to don't hike solo because otherwise I wouldn't go. Yeah. Which is, I'm not going to live my life like that, you know, and I kind of get to this it's a good day to die mode. If it happens, it happens. And I don't want to do that to my kids, but um, I've had a good run and I want to enjoy my life. And when, especially when I'm solo, I'm really engaging with the place. I'm really there. I'm really present. It's wonderful. Yeah. So your basic good practice. And I saw you had posted about um, good hiking practice a while back. And yeah, all, the, all that stuff is really important. But I would say to people, don't let it stop you if you can't check off every single box in the list of mm. what you need to do life's too short yeah well so it's funny is important but you know don't let it be a deal breaker um so while you're talking about life being too short I pulled this quote that you actually wrote on your Facebook <laughs> um you were talking about you know being somewhere listening to the rain and recalling all the amazing mm. people you've met on the leg of your journey since you left in May. So many wonderful new and old friends. It doesn't even include the gorgeous places I've been. I would have missed all of it had I stayed put. Mm -hmm. Worth every scary evening, I didn't know where I was going to sleep and worrisome thoughts of not having a home base. However the future plays out, I will surely continue to include road warriors warrioress in my resume i just want to have you expound a little bit about on that because i think someone might look at you and and read the things that you write and be like oh this woman's fearless she's out there but it sounds like you have had some moments oh hell and yes and so let's talk about those and how you overcome them and the reward on the other side okay excellent question um, yes. And so the May thing, I had a back injury. You know, it's like my worst fears came true. So I left in February initially. In April, I had a back injury and I had two babies at home with no drugs. Okay. So I know what pain is. And this pain made that look like nothing. It was excruciating. And I was in Arizona at the time. Long story short, I decided to go back to St. Augustine. I had a good friend who was a PT there. I saw the orthopedic guy there. And I knew that if I got in the ocean, I would heal. 
Mm-hmm. And you know what? In five weeks, I went from really hellish pain. And I don't know how the hell I drove. That was at that point, I was in Arizona. I drove all the way back to North Florida. Um, and I got better. And even that, you know, I was like, oh my God, where am I going to stay? Well, I talked to a good friend who is a musician and she was on the road during that period of time. She goes, please stay in my house. I would love somebody to house sit it. So it worked out. I stayed in her house, um, helped her out. She helped me out and I got better. So then when I was getting ready to leave again, it was May at this point, uh, fear had taken hold. I was like, Mm. see, stuff can happen. You can get an injury. Um, You're damn lucky that cat was away and you know you were able to just stay in her house instead of inconveniencing a friend for you know four or five weeks it's too long um so fear was really gripping me and I remember talking to my sister and I said maybe I should just stay put stay in St. Aug just get a place she's like and she was supporting that consciousness you know because she's a stay-at-home person yeah or you know sticks and bricks person um but something kept nudging me just try it again just try it again and I did and you know how so how do we leap over fear I think and I've been it's funny because I've been thinking about this a lot lately how do I do that and there's a part of me (laughs) I call her my inner warrioress she just kind of gets pissed at some point like if I'm out hiking by myself or camping somewhere by myself and I get worried I don't really worry about animals because I've seen bears yeah mountain lions are scary stuff for sure um men scare me more than any anything though an attacker and um at some point I get mad it's like you know what bring it on I will (laughs) I will tear him in 200 pieces with my bare hands because this is my life And I'm going to enjoy this hike. I'm going to enjoy this beautiful night under the stars by myself. Mm -hmm. And that energy of, damn it, I deserve to be here. I deserve the, the earth is ours, right? I mean, we are the earths. We belong to her. She belongs to us. And I know that when I'm out there in a state of appreciation, how much she appreciates that. I can feel that connection and I can feel that it's uplifting for both of us, all of us. So I just kind of get a leg up on it with the, the truth. I consider that truth, you know, Mm -hmm. yes, that, that scary stuff. Um, that is, I don't even want to call it truth. That's reality too. I'm a songwriter also. And I've written a couple songs about this. The deep truth though, is I am of nature. She is powerful. We are powerful. We are going to get through this whole environmental devastation mess that we've been in, this violent, awful, toxic culture that we've been in. Patriarchy is not as old as it looks. And the energy, the forces of life and nature prevail. And so I try to step into that. And I'm sorry, listeners, if this sounds a little light in the loafers, but to me, it's a really visceral, grounded, deep, hell no, I'm not giving up my life to um, ego, violence, fear. I'm just not. And so and then I make a beginning and I listen to my intuition. If I don't feel okay somewhere, I don't stay. If mm-hmm. I feel like in on, on a particular night in a dispersed camping area, doesn't feel right, I leave. You know, if I like that day, I felt the mountain lion energy the other day. It's like, yeah, I don't, I usually go to the end of the trail, period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that day it didn't feel right. I thought, nope, it's time to go. So listening to myself, having base knowledge and standing in the truth of 
who we really are. And I think I, you know, I'm foolish enough or optimistic enough to think that we really can, you know, I'm talking about larger global problems here right now. And I know a lot of youth because I teach college. I have two children in their twenties. They're very dark for good reason, pessimistic about the future. I totally get it. I feel like we've handed them a bag of garbage and I apologize to my students every semester from my generation to yours. And I still have this, you know, I just can't help myself. Look around, like right now, I'm sitting on a side street in Moab. You should see the LaSalle's have snow on them. I'm going to be out on an amazing trail today. Um, That is what's real. Yeah, it is. Yeah, what's right in front of you, that's what's real. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, not all those, uh, not all the stories we make up in our head. Right. Yeah. That's wonderful. I appreciate, I appreciate your outlook. You do, you do (laughs) talk a bit. I know you and I had a conversation when we met in Portland about just being in the flow Mm -hmm. travel and how things just, they just work out. You know how, I know you've talked some a bit about finding these amazing campsites on a Friday of a holiday weekend, just driving up, (laughs) you know, and how, when you're in that flow, things just seem to work out. They do. It's, it's amazing. And I am of the belief that that's happening all the time to all of us. It's the nature of life that things flow for highest and best. It's what nature's about, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and highest and best can also be decay. You know, it can be, you know, we're all born, we grow, we expand, we decay, we die. That's all beautiful. It's all glorious. It's all in the flow. And when I'm, I feel like not, I feel like I do notice my involvement with that. And I rely on it more when I'm out here by myself, because when I'm housed, you know, I could tell you what I'm doing next Tuesday at four o'clock. Like right now, I honestly don't know where I'm sleeping tonight. And that's totally fine because I know it'll be great and safe. Um, So I think it's a matter of noticing it and relying on it. I have a good friend from St. Augustine. She's a traveler too. And we both just delight in this and laugh at it and marvel at it. And it's not a, you know, a friend of mine says, you always manifest home. And I do. Home is, you know, where I lay my head tonight and where I laid it last night. And it's not me manifesting, though. That's where I disagree with her. It's um, just stepping in the flow and saying, hey, huh, I need a hand here. I wonder what it's going to look like. And it's not being cavalier or foolish. It's saying it's, I'm, I'm moving on. And, and I use the you know tools at my disposal. The Overlander app is great. I'm not like pulling things out of a hat. Right. But then it just kind of happens. And I, you know, I've met people like once coming, I was driving, this was earlier this summer, driving from Durango up to go to the hot springs in Orvis, Orvis Mm -hmm. hot springs. And it was a really rainy night. I arrived at this campground at Molas Lake, just as they were about to close. And it was raining. It was dark. It was cold. It was miserable. And I asked her about a campsite because I didn't want to screw around with dispersed camping. I was like, I just need to be somewhere. And she said, they're 60 bucks a night. And I said, well, I'm not doing that. Thank you. And I asked her about dispersed camping. And then she said, oh, you know what? Somebody just canceled because they have COVID. I'd like to give you their site. (laughs) Wow. 
said, are you kidding me? She goes, no, I want to do that. I said, thank you so much. And as you know, she set me up with where to go. And then she took out um, a couple of hand warmers and stuck them up my sleeves. Oh my <laughs> God. I, I know I drive to the other side of this amazing spot, which is right on the lake. And again, I couldn't see where I was because it's dark and still raining and awful. I wake up the next morning. You should have seen what I was looking at. Oh. There was, it was clear blue sky. The lake's right there. There's mountains with snow on them all around me, 360. And I said to her, I said, I can't thank you enough for this. I said, I'm going to write you so many good reviews. She said, please don't. We like it quiet up here. <laughs> but that sort of thing just happens, you know? Right. Yeah. And I'm so grateful. And to lead with a feeling of gratitude and to stand in that is so much of a better way for living. For me, I didn't have that way of living in a house. And I'm sure I can, but honestly, it would take focus. <laughs> yeah. More intention. Cool. Well, Hannah, this has been fabulous. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Is there anything that I didn't touch upon that you wanted to bring up? Hmm. Yeah, I want to say something about the money piece. I'm grateful that I'm teaching online right now. And I know I've read a lot of people who will say, well, I can't do it yet. I don't have the money. Um, and to that, I want to say, please don't let that stop you. I also say that to my students, you know, choose a career that is makes your heart sing. Don't choose one for the money. And I really I hate to see people miss out on their lives because of a perceived sense of lack. You know, this car cost me six thousand dollars. My this it doesn't cost me much to do this lifestyle because you can find all kinds of free camping i need to eat I, I buy grocery food and yeah i treat myself out for dinner at times like this when it's really cold at night yes i'm paying for gas but i'm not paying for a mortgage or rent and utilities and all that uh, i've never let lack of money stop me and when i think about it you know because i was not only a single mom i was the only contributing parent my ex just kind of evaporated so um it's worked, you know, you know, things just yeah. work out. So don't let, you know, a sense of lack, um, stop you. Yeah. Okay. Love that. I love that. You know, actually, since you are touching a bit about work, our conversation was going in a different direction. So I wasn't going to bring this up, but since you brought that up, I think you have a very unique way of finding <laughs> spots to work. So do you, would you be willing to share how sure. you do your online teaching? Well, um, I, I do the classic Starbucks, you know, God bless those people. I don't know. <laughs> I've even said to them, how do you stand all of us sitting here with our laptops all day? But they're totally cool with it. So I, you know, I go into Wi-Fi and get the written portion done, you know, grading, writing assignments, answering emails, all that sort of stuff writing content. And then when I need to record lectures or do something live where I need quiet and, but yet I can speak out loud, which is kind of a challenging thing to find. I was talking to my brother about it. He goes, go see if you could rent a conference room in a hotel. And I thought, oh my God, you're brilliant. So I did that. And you know what? These people are great. They're like, oh yeah, 
that, use that use that room over there because hardly anybody uses those things. So I'll go into a town, I'll find a hotel, and I'll ask and I'll offer to pay. And I've never had them ask me for money. They don't care if I'm in there for an hour or two working. I've also gone to libraries. Some of them have separate rooms where people can study or have meetings. And again, they're not used very much. So I found people just to be, I guess, because there's I especially out west here. I'm mostly out west, more of a presence of people who are digital nomads people become very kind and extending about it so it's really not a problem and i don't have starlink um not going to spend the money not going to support musk so it just works i don't have to if i had to be somewhere every day live i would consider starlink i just can't stand elon musk but Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't need to so it's okay i can go in and out as needed for myself yeah that's yeah, that's I, I haven't heard of anyone else doing that, going into hotels and using the yeah, conference room. It's so, great. So People great. are so kind. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for coming on today, taking time out of your hiking schedule <laughs> to come in and be on this podcast with us. Thank today. you so much. I really appreciate you having me, Kathy, very much. And you know, let's, I really hope your foot gets healed ASAP because I want to see you on the trail soon. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for listening to that interview. Here are my key takeaways. Number one, you don't need an RV or a van to start this lifestyle. You can get started and actually get access to a lot more off-road places with an SUV. Number two, Get out of your comfort zone and intend a van life or nomad gathering. Try not to be concerned about what type of rig you have or even what your age is. Number three, one great way to meet people on the road is through Facebook groups. We have one associated with the Solo Women RV podcast, so I'll add a link in the show notes below. Be sure to join us if you haven't already. Number four, the All Trails app is and talking to locals are two great ways to find hiking trails in places. Number five, regarding hiking solo, take precautions and follow hiking best practices, carry the 10 essentials, but don't let being solo stop you from hiking and exploring. Number six, how to leap over fear. Get in the mindset that you deserve to be out there Nature is ours. Don't let your fear of men keep you from enjoying what is rightfully ours to enjoy. Listen to your intuition though. And if you don't feel okay somewhere, don't stay. Number seven, living a nomadic lifestyle might change your idea of what home is. As Hannah says, home is where I lay my head tonight. And number eight, don't let money stop you. If you really want to make this happen, there's probably a way that you can figure it out. And many people live much more cheaply on the road than they do in their sticks and bricks. So don't let a sense of lack stop you from living out your dreams. Thanks for listening to the Solo Women RV podcast. Please join our email list over at solowomenrv.com to stay up to date on all things solo travel related. And if you like what you heard today, please consider becoming a podcast sponsor. Details can be found over at anchor.fm slash Kathy hyphen Belge. And if you know someone who would benefit from what we talked about today, please share this episode with them. 
or leave us a review over on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really helps and makes it easier for others to find us. The Solo Women RV podcast theme music is Field Station by Nicole Potolsky. And until next week, we'll see you out there on the road.